I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. back to old school i'm chief rick lasky along with my best bud chief john salka and uh we hope that everything's going well with you and yours and that you're still loving the job um john uh we need to do a little update uh before we get into our topic tonight um let's talk about the memorial um memorial part two uh back home and the progress and where it's at and in washingtonville yeah, yes washington <clears throat> as we've spoken about many times before uh, we lost five men on September 11th out of my little community in Blooming Grove, Washingtonville, and a beautiful, beautiful memorial was designed and constructed and has now been there for over 20 years um, in their honor. Uh, however, as as everyone also knows, is uh, we're losing lots of people for post 9-11 illnesses, and, uh, and we have lost several in, in our community, and we uh, put together, designed, had constructed, and this past uh, fall, installed a uh, a post nine eleven memorial, which is a uh, similar looking, similar design to the original memorial, but a little bit smaller. And the three names on there, four names, excuse me, three police officers and a firefighter, FDNY firefighter, and three NYPD officers are on there, who have all passed away as a result of the uh, their illness that uh, was developed as a result of working at at nine eleven. So. We're very proud that we're able to honor those men and obviously any any future uh, deaths that may arise out of that same situation. So it's uh, it's progress. It's sad progress, but it's progress. And we we just feel good about honoring people, even 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 though it's happening decades after the event. Well, and I think what's I want to say kind of sad is the attention to those we're losing. Uh, the EMS workers, the law enforcement officers, and firefighters post 9-11, it's, 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 I guess it's losing its traction a little bit. Unless people bring it up, unless people talk about it, unless somebody posts something, we're, we're kind of almost, we're, we're losing that. And people are leaving us and, and passing away. And, and it's kind of like, well, nobody says nothing. You know, there's the drama isn't there where it should be because they work, they were there, they either on that, they either worked that day or they worked the pile forever. Right. We're exposed to toxins, to poison, everything else, to carcinogens, and whatever the the, the illness they have, because I think it's not just cancer related. No, no, there's a We're, whole yeah large. Uh, it's a large list of illnesses, and and it actually grows <clears throat> each year. Other new ones are included in the list as a result of large numbers of men and women from those emergency first responder groups uh, developing those uh, those illnesses. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not in the position to explain why that's happening but I, but I think I do understand a couple of the reasons one of them is obviously time as time goes by wounds heal and things start to take the back seat to more current items and more current issues that are happening in the world right now uh 
Number two, a lot of the men and women and people, whether they were the folks that operated at the World Trade Center, whether they're the families of the of the the men and women that died that day, or whether they were the you know people that were rescued and just New Yorkers and Americans that were around when it happened, those people are all getting much older, and a lot of them are passing away and die because it's twenty years ago. If people were in their sixties, now they're in their eighties, or, or maybe they're gone. Um, and and the other thing is a lot of people who are in mainstream America now, a lot of 20 somethings were, were kids that were, you know, one or two or three or five or even maybe 10 years old. And now they're 30 years old and they're working somewhere in a, for an insurance company or a police department or a fire department or, or wherever. <clears throat> they weren't even really conscious of 9-11. It's not something that really happened in their conscious memory. Maybe it happened when they were five or nine years old or, or one year old. And so we have growing numbers of people that really are not connected to 9-11. They really weren't there, they, you know, and, you know, you, you start to put those things together and you realize that there's a lot of people that were around for the event that are no longer around. And there are a lot of people around now that may not have been around or may have been very young when it happened. And they're sort of just disconnected by virtue of their age and the fact that it was over 20 years ago. So the, the main thing is when it, when, when the date rolls around, when September 11th rolls around every year, <clears throat> The press is still very responsive, and most fire departments and police departments and, and and first responder agencies are very responsive. And there still are plenty of memorials and remembrances that that occur on or around September 11th, which is uh, which is fine. You know, my opinion, of course, which is fine. Well, and that I, you've heard me say this a bunch of times. That's why I think it's so important. This is just me that when we design apparatus. You know, everybody was hot to try to put the memorial stickers, the 9-11 stickers all over their the decals on their rigs. And then that just kind of went away. And, you know, nothing says you can't put a small one that that, you know, that says never forgotten, you know, that right. kind of thing. Right. And um, you know, I'll tell you just one more touch on this. I think I mentioned this once before on one of our shows. What scared the daylights out of me, to be honest, was the memorial, the the, the wood memorial at the FDNY that has all of those in the you know, line of duty that's, you know, here, and it's, it's got all the 9-11, and then it's got the board next to it. It's got 9-11, the 343, and then it has those that have been lost since then. Yes. But the board is gigantic. It's like, it's like, here's like this little tiny column. Yeah, it's got a couple of hundred oh. names on it with room for a couple of thousand. Oh. Yeah. So. Which is sort of a... Uh, a looming, a, a looming situation. Uh, nothing that we can, nothing we can do anything about. You know, let, let's just, you know what, we can only honor and remember those. And what a great tribute you guys did uh, to to remember those that were lost. You know, from your area, from Absolutely. your dad. So, Absolutely. all right, hey, let's 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 uh, let's talk. Uh, we <laughs> as 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 our listeners, as you know, we we never have an agenda. We never have a script. Um, if you saw us, we're just sitting here talking and we're actually uh, on the road right now getting ready to do a program tomorrow and we're looking out the hotel room uh john came over to my room we we're getting caught up and we're looking at at, at some vacant buildings yeah and uh a lot of vacant buildings <clears throat> and i guess john it, it seems lately the hot topic again has been you know some people see the the go no go when you know when you go to that but let's talk vacant structures let's talk vacant buildings um you and I have had some some pretty good conversations about us ourselves. You know, there's a lot of people that jump on social media 
after a line of duty death where there was a collapse or something happened inside a vacant building. And they right away when I start talking, what a waste of life. First of all, any firefighters loss of life is tragic. It's absolutely tragic. We, we know that. Um, but you start hearing what a waste. It should have never happened. What were they doing in that building? You know, um, where was, where was command? Uh, you know, why do you also let them do this? So, and so forth. And I, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, the house that the trees are overgrown. There's no roof on it from a previous fire, two fires. There's no floor, you know, something where even a squirrel's not going to run through, you know what I'm saying? But we're talking, I'm, we're looking right now at a vacant structure. One of them that's, you know, boarded up and, you know, um, let, let's talk about that. What, let's talk about the decision making behind that behind that whole process. Now, mm -hmm. before we start, and I, I don't want to forget to mention this. Um, I, I've seen Chicago do it now; they started it, but I, I I can't say for sure. You might be able to help me out. I, I think it was FDNY, New York City born. But explain. And we've talked about this in our tactics program before. The vacant building marking system right. that's in your policies in New York City. Right, right. Uh, and, and I will talk about that. Uh, but I want to mention one thing first. Okay. W one of the more recent line of duty deaths, one of the more, more recent tragic situations ha happened in Baltimore. In Baltimore, I believe it was Engine 14, where, where two firefighters were killed um, in the past 12 months. And I'm embarrassed to say that. I don't recall the date. But 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 there was a there was a lot of talk. There were there were there were plenty of naysayers and people um, wanting to discuss that and and wanting to discuss it is fine. We should discuss all line of duty deaths, whether they're in vacant buildings, occupied buildings, whether it's a single or multiple. Um, however, it's events like that that sometimes bring the vacant building issue <clears throat> back to the forefront, right. back to the discussions. So obviously, God bless uh, those firefighters that that were killed in that incident. Um, and I'm going to discuss more of that in a moment. But our earlier discussion today, before we decided to actually start the the the, uh, the episode that we're talking about right now, was I, I mentioned that to you. I said, "What about the vacant building marking? That's that's a gigantic thing." I I remember obviously I remember being a young firefighter in eleven truck on the Lower East Side. Conveniently for me, I got on a job in '79, and I was down on the Lower East Side within a year or two, and it was a not largely vacant, but lots of vacant buildings. A lot of occupied buildings, but a lot of vacant buildings. Most of them old law tenements. Most of them five or six stories tall. Most of them ordinary construction, brick exterior walls and wooden interior, you know, stairways and floors and, and et cetera. Um, some of them were in t terrible shape with with trees practically growing out of the windows on the second floor and the third floor and the fourth floor from decades of just being there left open and, and unoccupied. And some of them were just in much better shape. <clears throat> so what the FDMY did back then, and it was a great program, and now I've seen it everywhere, from rural and suburban areas to other big cities. I remember being in, in Worcester, Massachusetts, visiting some friends up there after that tragic fire in 99. <clears throat> and, and somebody came up with a very simple um, format. What it is is, that if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, an 18-inch square. So it's a square, 18 inches in, on all four sides, painted onto the building. The FDMY actually produced um, a, a template that you could put on the building and use a spray can, and it would make a nice square 18-inch uh, uh, image on the building. <clears throat> so that simply meant that this was a vacant building, not normally occupied building. If there was a box on the building, it just meant there's nobody now living there, right? right? But you could easily go in there, stretch a line, fight a fire, make a search, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then the, the second stage was one diagonal line from one of the top corners down to the opposite bottom corner, which indicated that this was in stock still a vacant building, but it wasn't just unoccupied. It was There was some damage to the building. There were some dangerous conditions inside, maybe some holes in the floor, maybe some weakened you know, structural members here and there. And then there was the X, which means a, a, a line, a diagonal line bowing, going in both directions. So now we had an 18-inch box with an X through the middle. And that meant, do not go in this building. This building is in such terrible condition, structurally, so defective, that we should not be in there to fight the fire. I tried uh, successfully, I must say, on several occasions, not numerous, but several occasions, to keep people out of those buildings. You know, you need a strong incident commander. You need somebody to say, no, we're not going in. And a strong incident commander doesn't have to be a battalion chief. I could be the first arriving lieutenant saying, hey, fellas, no, 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 Tommy, Mary, stop. We're not going in. Get that line back out here. Got the right. X on it. We're not going in. So whether it's the first arriving engine officer, whether it's a captain, whether it's a lieutenant, whether it's a battalion chief, that X in that box on a vacant building is there to save our lives. And and we know there's all sorts of stories about what could be inside. There could be somebody inside, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That rule is there to be enforced. And we're not even talking about the rare example where you might see somebody right inside the door or right inside a window where, where maybe a slight exception has to be made where you could reach in or maybe make a short entry to do that. But for the most part, that that's a pretty absolute uh We're not, pretty we're absolute not talking rule. about, you know, tragically, we have a serious homeless problem in our country. We're not talking about the homeless person. <laughs> That's sitting inside a doorway trying to stay warm. Right. That's right there. We're, we're talking a building that's just all crapped up. And, right. and so, with the yeah. X means we're not going in, and you should really, you should really stand by that. The one line across means we get some damage inside. So while you're advancing through, whether you're walking or crawling through to make a search, whether you're up on the roof, we add an RO next to the box, meaning roof open. So at a previous fire, we did get in there, we did get to cut a hole in the roof, and guess what? It's a vacant building. Nobody's going to repair it. There's nobody coming and put a piece of plywood and new roofing on there. Now we know at the next fire that the roof is even open. We don't even have to go up there and look at that. So some of these things, it, it, we're talking about a can of spray paint that can save a firefighter's life, right? If the officers that, you know, that pay attention to and find the conditions, put that up there. They display that X or they display the RO next to the X with one or two horizontal slashes in it. And then, of course, the later arriving officer on other dates and future conditions future situations where maybe there's smoke showing and things like that. Now, that doesn't mean if there's a little bit of smoke coming out of the first floor of a building with the X on it, if you can look through the front door and you can see something five feet in, it doesn't mean you can't get to the front steps and reach in a little bit and use a hose line. We're talking about a good heavy fire condition with, a, with you know, along with the X, those those things together mean we're not going in. So so explain explain for our listeners because we've talked about this as well. I I think there's a big difference between a vacant building and what somebody just called unoccupied. And I mean people moved out. You know, the, I'll give you an example uh, when Vincent Davis, uh, Dallas firefighter, perished at a fire, tragic loss. One of the recommendations from out of the investigation was if they had adopted the FDNY policy regarding vacant building marking, which for our viewer, for our listeners, you could probably go online and Google that and pull it up because all, Absolutely. Your, all Absolutely. your policies are available. So it's the, I think it's vacant building, so whatever. They said if that had been in place, um, you know, this probably wouldn't happen. I went, well, I, I beg to differ with you. The apartment building, what happened was it, it was just they, they took all the families and said, we're going to move you into this apartment building. Well, we refurbished. We're going to put new carpeting. We're going to put new sinks. We're going to 
you know, it wasn't holes cutting the floor and people doing damage and all stuff. It was being remodeled. So I said, I don't think anybody would have came up and painted a square on there with a, an X for a building being remodeled. Right. And this wasn't, in my eyes, a vacant structure where now we have to decide whether it's whether we could penetrate it or not because of the interior setup of it, the structures, all so forth. It was and so I think some people take it the other way, but difference between a vacant, like you just said, vacant building and one and one that's just simply unoccupied. And that's an important point. And that's a real important point. And and it brings up two specific things that I want to mention. The first one is, you know, vacant is vacant. A vacant, you know, sort of like an ADV, right? We used to call the old cars that were left on the street, uh, uh, an abandoned derelict vehicle. So a vacant building is a derelict building. It's a building that's not in any condition for anybody to live in, even if it's structurally sound and we're not worrying about a fall down. It's still a derelict building. There's still holes in the sheetrock and, and the doors might be missing in a couple of the rooms and it, it might be full of junk or garbage and things of that nature. Even though the building is solid, there's no there's no missing uh, structural elements or damaged structural elements, right? That's the kind of building we're talking about. So we're talking about, you know, a derelict building versus a simply unoccupied building, a building that's for sale, a building that's being worked on by, by a contractor, a building that somebody just walked away from. So somebody got thrown out of their house, they didn't pay their bills, and, and, and the bank owns the building now. Those are not necessarily buildings that you're going to start to put the markings on. So, so that still raises a question. So when do we and when don't we? Well, that brings my next point. And this is an important point. Don't just go online and Google FDNY vacant building marking system and start driving around putting those markings on buildings. You have to develop a policy. Exactly. There has to be a written policy. And if you look up the FDNY program, there is a policy there. And, and you have to determine what a vacant building is going to be under what conditions that you, you find that would warrant you putting the vacant building marking. Just like I said, there are some people that think, that's a vacant building, but it's not a vacant building. There's some people think that building's okay, but it's not. It should be marked. exactly. There's got to be, like you say, a format to follow. That if you check all the boxes, there you go. Right. And for most of you that work that, that have a lot of homes, one and two family homes, or maybe garden apartments instead of six story tenements. I mean, there are there are plenty of empty homes in America for lots of reasons. Now it could be an empty home on an occupied street where every other. Every other home on the street, the grass is cut and people live there. And there's that one home that the grass is a little bit longer. Only a guy comes once a month maybe to, to cut the grass. Maybe there's a lockbox on the front door. Maybe there's right. a for sale sign on the front lawn somewhere. And you see no curtains. You can look right into the place at night because the windows are bare. So that's just, a, that's just an empty building. That's just an, an unoccupied home on an occupied street that's got normal stability. If there's a fire in there, we're going to fight that fire exactly like we're going to fight the fire in the house next door that's full of people and furniture, all right? So you definitely want to differentiate when you start talking about vacant buildings between a vacant, and I'll just add the word derelict, a vacant derelict building versus just an unoccupied, or what I used to say, normally occupied. It would normally be occupied, but today it's not. There's nobody in there. Well, so so let's get to a, let's get to a, a different look at this. Okay, we're talking vacant buildings. Back to back to the social media post said that what a waste they should never have been in there and all that stuff and when people say I remember somebody putting in capital it's vacant what were you doing capital letters it's vacant what were you doing in there and you and I've talked about this I've always found it astonishing amazing 
how a building with no electricity, no gas, no nothing, just miraculously catches fire. Okay. And, you know, some people you say, one of my mentors say in the old days, you know, Rick, the street people that do that stuff are pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty survival. They're pretty savvy. They can get themselves out and all that stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. So then every time we think that a video surfaces, you know, on YouTube, whatever, of guys are doing defensive operations, they're just hitting it from the outside. And somebody walks out, a homeless person walks out. There was a warehouse in another state. They were pounding it for over an hour with 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 master streams and buckets and tower. And a guy walked out, like kind of like, what are, what are you doing? So here, here is one of the things I brought up. Right now, our country is facing a horrendous drug problem, whether it's opiate, opioids or how about fentanyl? And you've got all these young kids that are falling victim to nasty people out there. So you've got a vacant building that may not be classified by the by law enforcement as a drug house, but you've got a kid that was in there doing something, you know, and they're passed out or they've OD'd. I'm just saying, I, you know, at, at one point we got to go, okay, I got to trust my company officers to make a good sound decision whether they're going to enter or not. Once they get in and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We used to talk in the old days. You know, the drug houses, they used to cut the floor out and put a mat or, mm -hmm. you know, they would cut the 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 voice, the, the vocal cords on the, the pit bulls and all these different things to keep the, the fellow drug dealers out of their place. But that came back, nails through the floor, all this stuff. But at what point do we just write off a building and then find out later there was somebody in there? Right. So right. there's got where's the balance, John, between, right. you know, when do we get in there and when do we go, guys, this this is always a difficult discussion because. Obviously, firefighters everywhere. You got to see. I mean, say because you have to see the building. I guess that's. Right. It's not fair to ask you a generic right. thing like that, right? Actually, because you, you have to be looking at a building. So it comes back back to the incident commander or back to the company officer, whoever that might be. First arriving officer, second arriving officer, maybe, maybe the first guy or gal that arrives not on a fire apparatus, a chief officer, battalion, or division, or deputy chief, whatever it might be. So number one, we have to have those people trained and and knowledgeable about the the building stock in their in their city in their town. We, we talk about Worcester all the time. The guys in Worcester drove past that cold storage warehouse for years saying, wow, I hope we never get a fire there. Right. You know, and eventually they did. It turned into a, a gigantic tragedy. Um, but it wasn't a tragedy because it was a vacant building, right? So vacant buildings do cause dangerous situations for firefighters. It again, it depends on the size of the building, the type of the building, the condition of the building, the how long the duration that has been either vacant or unoccupied. Is the roof still good? I've been on. I've I've seen buildings that were in actual terrible shape, but they had a great roof. The roof was still in, the roof was still intact. There was no water getting into the building. Nothing was dry rotten. And you know what? The inside was a mess, but it was solid. You know, so you have to look at each individual building, which is another reason to be going out on buildings, to be going out looking at your buildings in your neighborhood. Even if you have to walk around a vacant building and, and pry a piece of plywood off a little bit, just look inside with a flashlight and and then bang it back on when you leave. So knowing your buildings is important. That's number one. Number two, I always used to try to use the rule. If it's a vacant meet or an abandoned derelict building, right, and it's on fire, that is the indication that there was somebody in there. Like I said, nobody shot a flaming arrow in from across the street. <laughs> a bird didn't fly in there with a cigar and drop it, all right, and start the fire. If there's a fire in a building where nobody lives and there's no power and there's no furniture, well, well, by golly, somebody was probably in there. Maybe they were lighting a crack pipe. Maybe they maybe they had a little stove going to cook something or to stay warm because they they are homeless. Whether they were 
whether it was drug-related or not, doesn't really matter. So the point is, if there's fire in a vacant building, an active fire in a, in a vacant building that has no power or, or no furniture or no known residence, there probably was somebody in there right off the bat. The fact that you got called for a fire means somebody may have been in there and they still could be. You know, how long they've been in there? Is it the same chance as the as the house next door where there's a family living in a car in the driveway and the grass is cut? I don't know the answers to those questions. I, I've never studied those questions. I don't know if there are answers to those questions. I know that when we have a fire in a building, if it looks like the building is solid enough for us to go in there, and if it looks like there are searchable areas, I think the same rules apply in a vacant building. Maybe with just some minor changes, like we have to take our time a little bit. Maybe we have to use the reach of the stream and hit it from the outside a little bit first before we go in. Maybe some things have to be changed. But unless there's fire out every single window and door, that there's no way of getting in there, and there's no searchable areas, which is still hard to tell. Other than that, I think we, we still have to look at vacant buildings, depending on the type of building, the, the condition of it, and the and the volume and location of the fire. We still have to look at it as a as a possible area that we might have to consider going in and putting a fire out. Well, and there's a city by me um, that you know great housing and some not so great housing. Okay, the little you know everything there. And when you when you read the the newspaper articles or you, you just pay attention, you know it's it's like every for for a while it was like every single fire. They said the social fire department responded to a vacant a fire in a vacant house on Third Street. Blah blah blah. It was almost followed up with, you know, the fire marshal believes that it was started by vagrants or by homeless, you know, whatever, so on and so forth. Almost every one of them, or it was like every other one of them. Again, it goes back to there's no electricity, no 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 gas, no nothing. They're not magically catching on fire. So somewhere we have to rely on our, on our officers, whether it's the battalion chief or the lieutenant captain right in the front seat. Now, this goes back to training. You said it. Huge, huge, huge point. I don't want to bypass without mentioning it again. Getting out in your district and driving around. Get out and walk. Take a look. You can look through a door. You look through a window. Go, come here, guys. If Look, this we ain't going in here. Look at this thing. Look ahead of you. Where would you go here? You know where you'd go? Right into the basement because there's right. nothing there. Right. You know, if you don't get out and look at these buildings, you're not going to know. And a lot of them you can get into. The ones that are solidly sealed, like in the FDMY, in my young years on the Lower East Side when I was in a living truck, concrete blocks on the front windows and the front door, no openings on the side walls or they're connected to adjacent buildings, and maybe the first floor back windows maybe even concrete blocked up, and then plywood, secure plywood you know, paneling over all the other windows for the rest of the floors. If you can't even get in there to take a look, there's, prop there's probably nobody getting in there to do anything else either. That's number one. Number two, if 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 the buildings are open, just like the, the place we're in today, where, where we're uh, speaking from, we're, we're doing a seminar tomorrow. And on the way in here, the chief, I was with the chief, and he pointed out a couple of big vacant buildings, old hotels and stuff where, yeah, that door is usually open right there. They get in in there, and then sometimes they live in there for a week or a month or whatever. So my point is, in your neighborhood, in your response area, if you have a couple of houses or a couple of maybe old garden apartments or whatever they are, it doesn't matter what the building is, that have been breached, that are open, that are that are not occupied by normal tenants but are open to the public and if you go there for little fires once in a while, if somebody reports a little smoke coming out the front window, you get there and there's some homeless people in there or there's a couple of kids overdosed in there or something like that, that's when you take the opportunity to look around and say, wow, look at this. Look at the sleeping bags in here. Look at look at this. It looks like they had a fire in here earlier. 
Now you know. Look at, now the, you, look at all the old mattresses they drug in here. Right. Now you may be able to, to turn that into either to the PD or to the housing or somebody who may be able to come and, and maybe clear the people out and maybe button the place up. But if not, at least like later that night, that same day, the next day, your next shift, you come back. And now that place has a room going on the first floor. You know, hey, Lieutenant, hey, Cap, we were in here last week for an OD. There's mattresses and everything on the first floor. There's people in here. now. So so pay attention to conditions at smaller incidents, maybe not even fires, maybe maybe a medical call for a guy on the sidewalk in front of a vacant building or a guy right inside. So, you know, keeping your eyes open for the conditions in the, of the buildings in your response area while you're on duty, going on fire calls or other calls or water leaks or even the building next door, take a peek in that in that derelict building next door that may not have been marked yet, but may have the front door may be busted open halfway and people may be sneaking in and, and seek, you know, seeking refuge in there. And, and you notice it, like I said, you see, they got a Coleman stove in there, you know, not, not, not a nice camping setup like a family would have, but you know, they're, they're living in there and you can see that they're living in there. And now when you get a fire a week later, you already know there doesn't have to be any guesswork. You already know. Nope. We were in there for an EMS call. There's people living in that building. And now that's going to make your mind up for you. Now, you know, you're going to do something different than, Treat it like it's empty. Well, and, and we're talking everything from curious kids, like when I was a kid, if there was a vacant building, I was I was all over it and in it and all over it. I don't know how uh, how I didn't get tetanus, how I didn't fall on nails, how I didn't fall through and break my, whatever. You've got curious kids to, like you said, you've got people that are seeking refuge. You've got, sadly, we have, we have, we have a drug problem in our country. So you've got, you know, you've got drug addicts, you've got all that kind of stuff going on there. We just talked about it. All you got to do is go on the internet and read the articles where they're finding some of these kids and some of these people that are OD'd, you know, you know, not everybody's sitting there going, oh, hurry up. We got a fire. Everybody run out the door. Secondly, some of these people have to climb through things to get to that room where the bed is. Oh, yes. You know, number one, for protection, it kind of put a, for a barrier. That's their front locked door, which it is. Someone else had to climb through all that stuff. So get, it's not like they're getting up and running down a hallway out a door of a, of a building that has no furniture. Some of them have to crawl around and in and through shit just to get out. So, you know, if they're sleeping or somebody kicks something over and it takes off, maybe there's a fuel can or whatever. I think sometimes we write it off too quick. Right. That, uh, right. Don't go into a vacant building. Again, you know, the greatest officers you and I know are some of the safest officers you and I know. The greatest officer you and I know that are some of the safest officers that we know are some of the most aggressive at the same time. And some people can't wrap their arms around that. How could you be aggressive and be safe? That's the key to be successful in a fire round, is it now we talk about it? The word you should be concerned with is reckless, but you could be aggressive and be safe. I used to say Louisville. Louisville, Texas is a very safe, aggressive fire department. They know when to go in, when not to go in, they know when to get out, they know when, all right, this is enough. The building's shot in the head, let's back out, let's do this. But there's no stand outside having a conversation going, you know, well, you, you know what? There, there are good decision makers riding that front seat right. who spend a lot of time talking about. There are battalion chiefs that make rounds and drive by buildings. And when they stop by for coffee, they go, hey, Captain Salka, come here. Hey, John. Hey, that building over there? Yeah, we saw that. Get, get the guys on the rig to drive by. No, no. The whole the whole side of it's all screwed up now. Go take a look at walk them through there and get back to me what you think. You come back, chief. I'm glad you told me. We can't go in there. We can't. Or you go, and, you know what? And that might be the time when you decide to get the paint. There you go. And the and the and the and stencil and put that box or put and that then, X on that building. And then that notification goes citywide. Right. It's in CAD. It's citywide. So dispatch knows 
the guys and gals right in the front seat know. And that's what's great about having it on the front wall right near the front door is you can have a relocator or a company covering from a nearby city when you have a working fly going somewhere in your town and they get called to that address. They might know nothing about it and they know about the box with the X in it. They know, holy cow, oh, hold up, guys. Vacant building, bad condition, bad, you know, bad structural condition. Let's stay out. So there's the benefit of that of that simple marking system. It's just one of the elements of, of operating safely inside vacant buildings, but it's an important one. Well, and here's my thought as we close things out here, okay? My thought is, I've said this before, There's when we go out the door, every time we go out the door, we're going to fire. Best way to prepare it is every time they drop the tones, we're going to a job. I don't care if it's a false alarm at the same place again. We've killed firefighters in the United States at trouble fire alarms, running no lights, no sirens to get them a fire and burn guys to death, okay? So every time we go out the door, we're going to a fire. When we get there, there's no fire unless we say there's no fire. There's nobody in the building unless we say there's no in the building. It's not out unless we say it's out. So that being said, that whole decision, I think we need to um, allow the company officers the latitude. You know, somebody, you know, you know what? If you're, if you're going to tell me that we can't even trust company officers to make good decisions, then we're, 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 we should just shut the, the, this thing down and be off the show. I know you don't think that way. But there's a point where you got to trust the people right in the front seat to make the decision as to whether they go offensive, whether it's defensive, whether they go heavy artillery offensive, then push their way in. And not only trust them, but train them. Yeah, trust them, train. There's got to be this point where we talk tactics, where we're we're talking about this stuff, where we're going in. Someone's got to be able to make that decision for you. You know, otherwise you'll be on, you'll be on, you know, the internet, you'll be in the newspapers where, you know, 13-year-old child died, you know, was drug overdose, was dead in the building, you know, or the firefighters never went, or people are saying they're in there. Well, no, that's a vacant building. You know, again, some of the most aggressive firefighters I know are some of the safest I know. And and it's some think about what I'm saying, folks. They're some of the most aggressive, some of the safest. They know they're like they their gut feeling rules the moment. They know they they're trained, they read buildings, they get out, they do stuff, they take all that we've talked about and wrap it into one person to be able to make that good decision. So and when you get sworn into the fire department, when the, when you join any emergency service job, you, you, what you're agreeing to, the the burden you're taking on is that you're going to expose yourself to different degrees of of danger and different degrees of of comfort and and et cetera, et cetera, to provide service to the community and and to save lives and property. And they don't say lives of ordinary citizens that are paying rent. They say <laughs> lives and property. It's everybody. Everybody gets the same chance at staying alive. You know, and I and I and I say this proudly. You know, when the FDNY responds to a building fire, if you're inside there, you got a really, really good chance of being alive when it's over. FDNY firefighters and officers are aggressive. They're smart. They're well trained. We respond quickly and, ra- and rapidly and, and, and have assignments and, and take care of our tools and, and we don't do duplication of services. Everybody goes somewhere else and somebody else isn't there. We, we have guys that go to the roof, first do and second do, that go different ways to the roof to make sure one of them gets there in case the other guy has a hard time going up the adjacent building. My point is everybody gets the same treatment, good, bad, and otherwise. It doesn't matter how big you are, what color you are, what language you speak, or where you're from. If you're in a building in New York City and there's a fire, there's a great chance that it's an FDNY firefighter is going to get his hands on you and drag you out. And whether it's in a vacant building, whether it's in an occupied building, whether it's a normally occupied building that nobody's home, a building for sale, a building with no windows, whatever it is. And and we have to explain that to our people, our new people, and actually, sadly, 
some of our more senior people and some chiefs and some fire departments that has to be explained. No, you just can't write off a vacant building because it didn't, it didn't start on fire by itself. Somebody might still be in there who deserves, who deserves some attention. They deserve to be looked at. We don't want you to be jumping over holes in the floor and swinging in there on a rope or anything like that, but you know, searchable areas should be searched. Let's say that. Well, and you know, you mentioned the FDNY. We all know exactly what you said is 100% true. There's departments like we've talked about, Wichita, Kansas, Stockton, California, Louisville, Texas. There's a bunch of Fort Worth. There's a bunch of places that employ that same, the county with Scott Thompson. Absolutely. Guys, they employ that same philosophy, philosophy man. Yep. You know what? What, what? what does Scott have on the, on the mud flaps of one of his engines? We will come for you. I think yep. that's how it is. We will come for you. It doesn't say we'll, we'll, we'll come for you, but it depends on the following list of things. Right. It doesn't say part two to follow. It says we will come for you. And some people think that's corny. I think even a couple of his guys thought it was corny. I think that's, you know what? You want to get in someone's face? There it is. We're, we're going to come for you. That's it. You call us. We're coming for yep. you. So yep. anything to add on vacant buildings? I think we covered You know what? We really did. I just want to reiterate the one point I made earlier. If you, if you want to talk about vacant buildings, if you want to think about doing them right, you put a group together and, and get a vacant building operational policy get it down start talking about what you want to do what conditions you want to look at if you want to mark them etc cetera, etc cetera. it'll it'll help you it'll help you do it right well if they want to get a hold of you best email chief john salka at gmail.com and i'm chief lasky at gmail.com and one thing i want to mention before we close this out um it's an article i submitted about paying it forward it's based on a show we did from firehouse to firehouse uh, Wichita West, my, my volunteer fire department, great group, great chief, Ryan Fetzer, great, great guys and gals. Um, you donated a ladder truck to us, which is incredible. Sorry to the guys back at South, South Blooming Grove. You're yep. not, you're not getting it back guys. Yeah, you're so not getting I'm back. not happy about In that. In fact, this year, the second year we had the ladder testing, it got faster. I don't know how that happened. It was fat. It, it was just incredibly fast and the hydro, it got better. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, then Santa Fe, Texas gave us a pumper. And now your good friend and former aide and lieutenant retired with the FDY, Chris Delizio, got us a, a tanker slash tender, 4,000 gallons donated, among other stuff. Folks, there's a lot of people struggling out there, a lot of volunteer fire departments struggling. COVID killed a lot of budgets, you know, with a, it killed a lot of fundraisers and things like that. Uh, if you've got something that you can, their department's waiting, what? two years, three years for a brand new pumper. If you've got a tool, if you've got an ax, if you have a Halligan, if you have an engine, an ambulance, some turnout gear that's still good, whatever. I swear to God, there are departments out there that can use it. And there are mechanisms in place where you can help those departments. And the Farrell Foundation as well. The Farrell Foundation. Oh my God, that is an incredible. I'm glad you mentioned that. And they take apparatus, they take gear, they take yeah. SCBA, they take tools and they either refurb, fix them, straighten them up, and then they farm them out and give them out to, to departments that need them. And they post all the time. Yes, they do. We're, we're oh, proud great, to defend, great organization. Uh, such and such fire department, this, you know, 2003, you know, Pierce Fire. I mean, they just- Run they, by the family of, and named yes. after a firefighter uh, from Rescue 4 that died on 9-11. Yeah. So pay it forward, pass it on. Uh, tell your friends about old school. Uh, again, we're just sitting, talking, having a conversation. Uh, we hope we get to see you at a conference in the future. We end all of our episodes uh, with a couple statements that we 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 never forget to to throw in there. One is please keep the men and women of armed forces in your thoughts and prayers, and most importantly, never forgetting 
means just that, never forgetting. Be careful. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.